Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today teaches people how to become successful freelance web designers. Please welcome to the show, Chris Mistrick from selfmadewebdesigner.com. Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this? Yeah. So the story starts out a little bit sad. Well, really sad. My wife of 10 years decided she was done with our relationship. And when that happened, obviously it was very emotionally traumatic, but it created a lot of financial tension, you know, because you go from having two incomes for one household to half of that. And she made more money than I did. The job that I had at the time was equivalent to like a full-time musician. I was a worship pastor at a church here in Phoenix. And so with three little girls as a single dad, I kind of had to figure out a way fairly quickly how to make some extra income. But there were some boundaries to that. Having them, I couldn't just go out and, and get a job at Starbucks or wait tables or anything like that. So I had to figure out something that I could do from home while they were sleeping that would be worth my time. And off the suggestion of a friend, I ended up just kind of looking into web development and took some online courses. And six months later, I was telling people that I was a web designer. Probably shouldn't have been telling people that, but I'm the type of person that tends to kind of jump in with both feet and hope that I can swim. And thankfully, it it worked out. So I had some friends at the very beginning who gave me a shot on building their website. And it slowly but surely started creating a web design freelance side hustle. And in 18 months, I doubled the income of what my full-time job salary was. So went on to do that for about four years. And then four years in, I decided it was time to kind of make a career change. Nothing was wrong with my old position or old career. I just felt like, okay, I've grown to this place. And so now I want to see what's next for me. So Started tossing around the idea of, do I go full-time into freelance or do I look for a company to work for? And found a company that's like four miles away from my house called Show It. And the mission of the company really resonated with my heart. The culture of the company really resonated with what I value as a dad and having a family. And so it just made a lot of sense. So was hired on. And in the process of that, I met people at my workplace who were young students that worked on our support side of the equation for our company. And they were going to school to be computer programmers, so software engineers. And so I just kind of one day asked them, like, why aren't you guys doing anything with your free time when it comes to like 
having a side hustle with web development or web design or whatever. And their response was that they were afraid because they didn't know how to handle maybe a tough situation with a client or they didn't know how to find projects. And so my response was like, I have been through that. Why don't you let me just walk you through the process? And so started doing that. And the one guy that I had that conversation with ended up becoming really successful. He ended up, and I've interviewed him on my podcast. You know, as a college student, he started making $120 an hour building websites for people. And so I thought, okay, if there are people like my friend who I work with that have these same, feel like they have these same limitations, I I bet I can help them. And so that's where self-made web designer started was out of a desire to help and essentially take somebody who might be like I was, who is in a desperate situation and needs to figure out how do I grow my income without neglecting my family or without neglecting my relationships. And so I've been doing that. We launched officially September 2019 and over a thousand people have been through I've got a free online course that blueprints everything that I did when I first got started. And so it's growing, launched a podcast this past March. And so just really enjoying it, enjoying the journey. It's been fantastic. That's awesome. So basically what you do now is teach other people how to become a web designer? Yeah, exactly. So I've still got my full-time job at Show It. And so what I've done is just essentially replaced my old side hustle, which is now my full-time job, building websites and doing UX design and doing a little bit of development. So that was my old side hustle. So now that's my full-time job. And my side hustle is I'm helping people learn how to do what I've done with creating a freelance web design side hustle or potentially go on to getting a full-time career as a web designer or UX designer. And so it only took you like six months or eight, how, how many months again to learn all that stuff? Yeah. So it was six months before I was calling myself a web designer. (laughs) That doesn't necessarily mean that I had learned it all. It it was definitely launching an airplane and trying to figure out how to put fuel in it as you're launching, right? It it took a lot longer. I think it was probably eight months before I built a site for someone else other than just myself trying to play around and figure out how much I knew with what I could do. And so then it was another, well, let me go back. So it was, it was eight months until I built a website for someone else. And then slowly but surely got more and more gigs, but they were all people who were friends. So all people that knew me and trusted my character knew that despite the fact that I was new to all this, I would do a good job for them. And if not, I would figure out how to make it happen no matter what. And so then after that, after I'd kind of exhausted the list of friends that needed websites, that's when I started looking for people that weren't necessarily in my social network and went out doing prospecting, signed up for a platform called Upwork, which has been a a huge part of my journey. And so it, it took a lot longer than just six months to get really proficient in it. And I still, to this day, it's just like any other field. You learn a little bit and you grow and then you realize, oh, wow. I don't know nearly as much as I need to know. So you learn a little bit and you grow and then you're like, oh, wow, I still don't know. And so I'm to this day, I'm still learning. I'm still studying. I'm still trying to figure out how to provide as much value as I can to the people that I'm working for, whether it's a freelance gig that I might get or whether it's the company that I work for. So do you build websites from the ground up or do you use like a CMS like WordPress? 
Yeah, every scenario is different. It all depends on what the clients need. Since I've started working for ShowIt, ShowIt is a website drag and drop builder that we cater specifically to photographers or creative entrepreneurs. And it is probably one of the best website builders that is out there. And so since I've started working for the company and become really proficient in it and really started to enjoy it, most of the time right now, I'm building sites within ShowIt. But I have built sites from the ground up with pure HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And I've done full WordPress builds as well. So typically with the WordPress sites that I build, I'll start with a theme and then I'll customize it from there. I haven't done like a lot of custom themes, although I can. It just, I find that it it takes more time. And if I can find something that's close to what the client actually needs or wants, then I can save a lot of money by jumping to somewhat of the end goal a little bit quicker than if I start from scratch building it out. Yeah, I love your website, actually. So is the, your website, is that built from the ground up or is that with the Show It platform? That's all Show It. So, oh. you know, I'm very much a Show It fan and I don't get like if anybody signs up for a Show It a subscription, like I don't get anything from that. It's all because I just feel like this is the best platform that I have found and I've tried a ton of them when it comes to building websites. So I love using it and I love being able to say, if you haven't found a website builder that you enjoy, like give Show It a shot because it's it's drastically better. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of it until I set up the interview with you. And then I was kind of checking out that website a little bit. You know, a lot of people might, because I like to do websites as well, but through WordPress, like I don't know how to do it from the ground up, but I know some basic stuff. But so for example, say someone's wanting to start a freelance web design business, but they're having a hard time maybe finding customers because people are like, well, why not just do Wix or even WordPress themselves or Squarespace, whatever. There's a bunch of them out there. So I guess what would the advantages be or what are the selling points someone could give someone when the person's like, oh, well, I can just do it for myself for eight bucks a month or whatever? Yeah, it's the same difference that you'd find when you try to DIY remodel your bathroom versus hiring a company to come and do it for you. You could probably figure it out. That's kind of the whole purpose of self-made web designer is that you can figure this out. This is not rocket science. And so if you give enough time and enough energy, for sure, you can have the skills to build a really quality website. But most people find that, especially business owners, that they'd rather spend their time focusing on doing things that are making them money. So if a business owner can get, you know, let's say $10,000 worth of work a month from selling his product, and that's 40 hours a week for four weeks a month then he'd rather spend his time doing that than spend 80 hours a week trying to build his website and then another 80 building his business. And so if he can pay $2,000 for a website, he's just saved himself or he's just made $3,000 by passing off that work. That's kind of the example that I give. But as a web designer, I, I don't look at myself as just building a website for somebody. Because if that's all you're doing, then yeah, it's going to be really easy for somebody to say, I can do this myself. But when I work with a client, we sit down and, and we talk about their branding. We talk about their marketing message. We talk about what goals do they have from redesigning or designing their site in the first place and how we can reach those goals. So my aim has always been from the get-go to build a website that will make a business more money than before they started using me as their web designer. 
if you can justify, if I build you a website, your revenue will increase over the next year by $100,000, then it's not a difficult ask to say, I need $10,000 for your website, because that's only 10% of what you're going to make them. And so that's the way I approach it. I approach it of saying like, let's first look at where you are with your website and how much money it's making you. Let's figure out a strategy, an online strategy, whether that's content marketing or Google ads or setting up funnels or you know creating lead magnets that you're building an email list with. And then let that be the driving factor of what we're designing. So the design is always ancillary to the purpose of what I'm doing. And so I found that most people that come to the place where they start going, okay, I've brought my website as far as I can make it from a Squarespace template. And so I need somebody to help me take it to that next place. That's what they're looking for. You know, they're not looking for something prettier. They're looking for something that actually helps move the ball forward down the field. It helps them grow. It helps them see the value in what I'm doing. Yeah, those are good points because some people might not know where to even begin. Like you mentioned funnels and lead magnets and all that stuff. And then I guess, do you also maintain the website as well? Yeah. So I do have maintenance packages that I offer to clients. And you know, I only have a couple that have signed up for it, but I host it and say, I give you an hour's worth of design work per month on that. And I know a a lot of people who have built good businesses based on their maintenance packages. But when I first got started, I had no intention, you know, I honestly don't like doing it. And so I enjoy the creative strategy, like designing ideation steps. I don't like maintaining things. I've never really pushed that very hard for a lot of my clients, but it is certainly a viable business option when it comes to freelance web design. I know a lot of people who they have a business, but they just have a Facebook page or something. They don't have a website. And that yeah. just, that really irritates me. Because <laughs> I mean, even if you did it on your own, like with Squarespace, do something, you know. Are you familiar with Chris Ducker from Youpreneur? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. He, and I don't know if he's the one that came up with this, but he, he says that having a Facebook page is like being on rented land, whereas a website would be like owning it because Facebook and whatever other platforms, you never know. They could go away tomorrow or something could happen and your stuff's gone. So, right. Well, and that's Squarespace's entire marketing platform right now. Their their tagline is a website makes it real, right? So what they're trying to communicate is that you actually don't have a real business until you have a website. And to a certain extent, I I agree with that, but that's not always carte blanche for me. For me, it starts with what is the goal of this company and will a website help them reach that goal? And most of the time, the answer is yes. But if I had a young entrepreneur come to me and they were 18 years old and they started like a soap making company, I wouldn't encourage them to pour $4,000 into a website right now because they really need to know more proof of concept. And so starting with a thing like a Facebook page or an Instagram account, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you will reach a growth limitation if you're not willing to build a website. And then there's another growth limitation that you reach if you're not willing to really dial in that website for who you are as a company and how you're going to make more money with your online presence. So it all kind of depends. And you're exactly right that Facebook could shut down tomorrow. And if your entire business was based on that, 
then you're out of luck. And so Michael Hyatt calls it your home base versus the places that you're vacationing. And so you could be vacationing. And if you build your entire life around where you have your vacation spot, like you're not going to have a very nice life. (laughs) I haven't heard that quote from Michael Hyatt, but that's a good way to put it too. I guess everyone kind of has their own little spin on that. But yeah, I kind of view it makes you more legitimate. Like if I'm searching for something and all I can find, well, sometimes you like for a restaurant, sometimes you can't find anything except for like Yelp reviews or a menu or maybe a Facebook page. But unless they have a website, I just blow past them. (laughs) Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, the restaurant industry is actually a good case study in not necessarily needing to pour a ton of money into the website because there is most people, they like to look at a restaurant's website to like what you're saying, prove that they're legitimate, but they're really going to do their research on Yelp reviews or Google reviews or DoorDash or whatever. And so I've not ever built a website for a restaurant because it just would never make sense for them to do that. Like I couldn't justify them paying me the amount that I would charge them because I don't know that I would get them back that money as a web designer. And so it just goes back to like, as a freelance web designer, have to figure out where the value you add is really important to the person that you're trying to serve. Yeah, I actually have a friend who has a cake business and all she has is a Facebook page, but it's actually doing really well. She has hundreds of followers and constant orders and whatnot. But yeah, every so often I'm like, so have you thought about having a website? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. But she seems to be doing well. But like you said, that if Facebook closed down tomorrow or not even that, like sometimes things just disappear off the platform. So yeah, well, even Facebook for a long time, they were promoting pages, right? And so if you had a thousand likes on your Facebook page, like that kind of showed that you were somewhat popular, a thousand likes or more. You know, of course, there's the people who have hundreds of thousands of likes and more power to them. But recently, they've shifted all of their attention to groups. And so if you had built your entire business on a Facebook page, and now Facebook isn't even really showing the posts from your page, like you're kind of tough out of luck. And so you've really got to be careful in what you're doing and in, in, in what you know ways that you're dispensing your business. The idea of restaurants not really needing to buy very expensive websites, that goes back to what you're doing as a freelancer to target the businesses that actually need the services that you're providing. And so I interviewed a a uh, guy on my podcast, his name is Lee Blue. And the way he put it was, you're either looking for high ticket or high volume, right? So let's say a piano teacher is not a high volume and they're not high ticket, right? They're only going to be able to charge a certain amount of money for piano lessons and they only have so many hours in the day. So unless they pivot and make an online course that just goes viral, it's not going to make a lot of sense to charge them $5,000 for a website because they would just would never make that money back. So what is the average amount that a person would, at least starting out, would charge for a custom website? Well, yeah. And this is where it goes all over the board. So there are people who will do it for a couple hundred bucks. There are people who do it for 500 bucks. And then there are agencies that will charge you $100,000. So it really all depends on who you are and and what you're trying to accomplish. My rate starts at 4,500. And that's kind of the bare minimum. 
And then, you know, when I get into doing things like copywriting or, you know, like if I'm taking headshots of your team and coming and doing B-stock video and photography, like, and messaging and lead funnels and all that kind of stuff, that's, that's when it starts to get up into the seven to $10,000 range. So it all depends on what the client needs and what they're trying to accomplish with it. So for someone who's maybe thinking about starting a freelance web design business, what would you recommend? Say they know they want to do like kind of like you, they know they want to do something freelance where they have more flexibility, maybe can work from home or just add extra income. And they're not really sure what direction to go, but this is one area that interests them. Well, I always say to start out with a little bit of web development because you'll find out really quickly if you like the web development side of things or the design side of things if you take a free course on Code Academy. And that's exactly what I did when I first started. I went to Code Academy. They had a uh, what's called a front-end development course that was HTML and CSS. And I took it and I found out I love this stuff. And so that was kind of the catapult to me going, I could see myself doing this. So, you know, so that's, that's one side of it. The other side of it is, is there are a lot of designers who came from more of a graphic design background and less of a development background, and they are still great web designers. They just don't touch the code as much. So for that, I say, you know, look into uh, website builders like show it. There's another one called Webflow that was made specifically for UX designers and play around with them and try to build a mock website of your business. And if you enjoy the process, even like everything you do at first, you're going to be kind of frustrated with, right? You're going to get upset that you don't know more than you already do. And you're going to get frustrated with how long it takes you. Like I had a lady email me that was saying she's been at it for four weeks and she can't figure out WordPress. And I was like, well, you're doing fine because it took me eight months. If you can see yourself being able to keep pushing through that frustration, then that's a good sign that this is probably a viable, you know, side hustle option or career. Do you think that starting a web design business just with WordPress versus from the ground up is a a viable option? Absolutely. And I know plenty of people who have done it. And it really depends on what you want to do long term. And the way that I started was I learned a little bit of development. And before I was really super proficient in development, I started building WordPress websites from themes. And my thought was, I can't keep spending 20 hours of my night devoted to learning development because that doesn't make sense for my free time with my family. It has to mean something. It has to make money for my family in order for me to justify the time I'm having to take away from other things that I would be doing for them. And so the money was a way to keep me motivated and keep me going and keep justifying it. And I learned more development along the way. That's kind of my story, but I I know plenty of people who have not done it that way. And it, it all comes down to you're at some point, you're going to have to specify your skill set in one area or another. You can't just be jack of all trades. And, and I see a lot of freelancers try to do this where they'll say, I can do graphic design and I can make flyers for you and I can do e- email marketing for you. I can do web design. Do you need me to edit your audio for your podcast? Like I'll do that too, you know? And so eventually you have to go, okay, I'm going to get really good at these things. And the longer time you have, the more you can expand that skill set. 
But when you're first getting started, you need to be hyper-focused on, I'm going to get really good at this. And then after you've gotten good at that or mastered that or become known for that, then you go, okay, I'm going to add another skill to my skill set. So now I'm going to add on, you know, not only do I build websites, but I also do copywriting for websites. And so I'm going to keep doing this, but I'm going to focus some attention on learning how to do copywriting. And so it it all depends on like when I was first getting started, it was, I want to be good at development. And so that's what I focused on, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but it does have to be something. So if someone's learning website development, could they use that knowledge to start creating themes, plugins, even iPhone apps, et cetera? Or is that kind of like a whole different thing? Yeah, you you certainly could. It it takes uh, a lot longer to develop a theme from scratch than it would just to take a theme and customize it with some CSS and maybe a little bit of JavaScript and PHP. But that that certainly is an avenue to go. For me, it goes back to the utilitarian idea of it all. Like this has to mean something for my family in order for me to justify keep doing it. But if you have more free time and you like that, there's more money to be made in building iPhone apps than there is in building websites. And if you can add a skill of creating a custom theme, WordPress theme, it adds the potential for what you can earn from a project. It is a a good thing to do. And learning a programming language makes it easier to learn others. They're all different. You don't use the same programming languages to build an iPhone app as you would a WordPress theme. And I, I mean, you technically could, but it's just not really what a lot of people do. There's a language called React. I don't know how nitty gritty you want me to get into all the details of development, but React is being used quite a bit for a lot of iPhone apps and WordPress was built all on PHP. So there are different languages, but once you kind of really grasp one, it's not too difficult to kind of pivot and say, okay, now I'm going to learn this and get good at this. Yeah, speaking of languages, I'm familiar with HTML to some degree as far as knowing like where to copy and paste. But, you know, there's HTML, there's CSS, JavaScript. Isn't there like Ruby on Rails? Isn't that something? And then you said PHP, all these different things. And I I know we don't want to get too technical, but is there a way to explain what those are, the difference between them, or how you would even know when to use what? There's three languages that are would be considered front-end development languages. And you can do a lot of things with those three languages, and that's HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So HTML is kind of the the bare bones, the structure of what you see on a website. You know, so it's it's the text, it's it's images. CSS, on the other hand, is kind of the decorations of the HTML. So I equate it to the HTML is like the beams that go up and inside the house. And the CSS is the paint that goes on the wall and the brick that goes on the outside. It's the what windows you want to put in and what you want the carpet to look like. HTML without CSS, it, it looks like you're reading a textbook from top to bottom. You know, it's just really bland. And that's obviously what the internet started out with. So it is still an amazing language. And JavaScript, up until fairly recently, 
was the dynamic aspects of how a user interacts with that web page. So things like animations or, you know, really complicated animations are done all with JavaScript. And that's JavaScript is, is a much more difficult language than HTML and CSS because it's much more similar to a like what would be a true programming language. It's things like Python or Ruby on Rails. Recently, JavaScript has pivoted because they've built what, and I'm sorry, I'm getting super nerdy right now. Oh, no, it's fine. Uh, they've built uh, what's called frameworks to be able to do everything that you would want to do with a programming language that is all done on the server side or the back end things, you know, so there's back end, front end, and kind of said that these three languages are in the front end. Front end is what is at the front, right? And the back end is what's at the back. That's what's going on behind the scenes. So they've created frameworks that allow JavaScript to do both the, the back end and the front end. And so it's a real powerful language. And obviously there's there's a myriad of other languages that we can talk about, but those are the main ones that I work with. And PHP was another language that came out and it stands for personal homepage. It was kind of another way to mix backend and frontend languages as well, because PHP works really well with HTML. And that is what WordPress was built on. So it's more of a programming language as well, but it's a lot simpler than like C++ or C Sharp or whatever. Yeah, well, that helps me better understand it because I've always wondered what is the difference between all of these and when do you use what? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It can get it can get really nitty gritty. Plus the industry is always changing. And so React has only come on the scene as being really popular within the last few years. And so who knows in five years from now what it's going to look like and what the popular language is going to be. So as a web developer, you've got to constantly be learning and the languages change a little bit and it's fun. To me, it's fun because like I love being challenged and I love being curious and figuring out new things. But if you have anticipations of learning a developmental language or programming language and then knowing it and being set for the rest of your life, then you're in for a rude awakening. Yeah, I've never even heard of React, but maybe at some point I will. Does that stand for something? No, it's, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know what it stands for, but React essentially is like, a really weird way of doing JavaScript. So the people from Facebook are the ones that developed it. And I could get into a lot of the, the nerdy stuff, but it's just a much better way of doing applications that are updating in real time. What that means is like, if, if you go to a web page and say that web page has some type of section that like is changing based on user interaction or some type of third-party interaction. In order to see the change, you'd have to refresh your browser. But with React, it's changing right in front of your eyes without there having to be a lot of load on the browser and getting more and more information from the server. So it's really cool. It's definitely been a fun thing to kind of dive into. And I am by no means uh, an expert in it, but I, I love messing with it and breaking things. <laughs> so is that what Facebook runs on? Is that or mm -hmm. yep, okay? So they created it basically then for Facebook and now other people can use it. Right, exactly. It's very much an open source language. And so Facebook, there's two developers that were the spearheads of it. And they have a team that is constantly working on it and constantly making changes. So as Steve Jobs would do the Apple presentations for a new iPhone, these folks will get up and do presentation for a new round of updates for React. So it's pretty fun. There's like a whole subculture of developers that 
are into really crazy things, which is really fun. Well, I appreciate your time. I think you've answered all my questions, but was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that maybe I hadn't mentioned? No, no. I appreciate you having me on, Sarah. It's been a lot of fun. Glad to have a conversation with you. And people can find you at selfmadewebdesigner.com and you have that free course there. And then I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash selfmade. Perfect. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.